0: Alistair Crowley has always appealed to me because he stands out among all the great mystics of of the world in being the most egregious case. uh, There are some pretty weird mystics in all traditions and some that look like they were part-time crazy, but there's nobody quite... Compared
1: to Crowley. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Hilaritas podcast. I am your host, Mike Gathers. Join me here as we explore the vast world of iconic writer, psychedelic psychologist, rebel philosopher, and self-proclaimed agnostic mystic, Robert Anton Wilson. Visit us at HilaritasPress.com slash podcast for show notes, links, and past episodes. With the recent Hilaritas Press release of Lion of Light, Robert Anton Wilson on Aleister Crowley, it's my great pleasure to chat with the man who wrote the introduction to said book, musician, teacher, and author of over 20 books on Aleister Crowley, Magic, Kabbalah, the tarot and things that go bump in the night, Lon Milo Duquette. Lon Milo Duquette, it's a pleasure to have you on the Hilaritas podcast.
0: It's a pleasure being here.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we at hilaritas just put together a book on... Robert Anton Wilson and Alistair Crowley, Lion of Light. And I reached out to you and Richard Kaczynski to whip something up for us. And, and you both really delivered delightful little essays there. Um, so thank you.
0: Well, you're welcome. It's um, a beautiful, beautiful book.
1: Yeah, thank you. So in I 1980,
0: oh, go ahead. We're looking at it.
1: Yeah, you got your own copy. Great. So, in 1989, you gave Bob an Adam Weishaupt Award, which said, because of his inspiring novels and astonishing research, Mr. Wilson is directly responsible for raising the consciousness of our planet and of other worlds beyond our realm. (laughs) Love that. Anything you want to say? I mean, you mentioned how much of an influence Bob Wilson has been on... um, The occult, I guess you would say.
0: He's been an influence on everything.
1: Yes. uh,
0: Yeah, I I don't know where to to, uh, begin. Uh, I guess it was uh, back in 1981, Mm -hmm. uh, I I met Bob uh, for the first time. But I had been a real fan of the the uh, the whole Discordian Principia Discordia and and uh, uh, the the Discordian movement uh, prior to that, and so so had a lot of uh, others uh, who would be in my sort of circle of friends as. as, we were uh, sort of getting the the Ordo Templi Orientis kind of off the ground and uh it was uh in uh, uh 1980 i guess uh, that uh, we had given uh our lodge in Costa Mesa California or Newport Beach uh thought it'd be nice to to have uh, our guild of advanced thought. We had a guild within the the lodge that was uh, just sort of Tim Leary fans and things, things like that. Uh, We thought it'd be great to, uh, to to give an award, an Adam Weishaupt Illuminati award uh, to Timothy Leary. And, uh, one of our members uh, uh, was working with Peace Press at the time, which was uh, publishing uh, Leary's Leary's stuff, and uh, uh, we arranged and asked (laughs) through the publisher if it'd be okay if we gave him an award, you know, And, and he was speaking at uh, a little little club, McCabe Music in uh, Santa Monica, we said we we're going to give him this award on that night, and we had a had a uh, like a walnut plaque with with brass on the laser. It uh, let's see, I don't know if you can you can see it. Mm. That, that was sort of. And when we gave it to Bob uh, a couple of years later, it was that same pattern with the, the goddess eat there. In Perfect. OTO. O- and uh, it was fun. There's pictures and and everything. And it sort of uh, was a controversial move, even within the OTO. They oh, what are you doing? You know, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's Tim Leary, you know he's a he's a modern <laughs> saint for Christ's sake, and uh, but anyway, it was really fun when I when I uh, met Bob in person. It was in uh, uh, Carmichael, California, which is Sacramento, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he was uh, scheduled to speak. At a thing called an infrasion. and and uh, Bob Wilson was uh, scheduled to speak, and Kenneth Anger, the filmmaker, uh, 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 had a film festival really in in town also, and uh, Grady McMurtry, uh, Hymenaeus Alpha Seven Seven Seven, the the head of the OTO also spoke and oh, I di- I don't know what I did or what my excuse was for being there but uh, <laughs> we all stayed at this big house in in uh, uh in Carmichael and we all sort of met around the the dining room table there's Kenneth Anger and, and Bob Wilson and Grady McMurtry mm. and uh when i was introduced to bob he says oh you're the guy that gave tim leary the the award and i said yes and you're going to get the next one oh, that was
1: perfect very <laughs> <Pretty> snappy response
0: <laughs> not knowing <laughs> what the hell, <laughs> <laughs> anything was so we ended up uh uh eventually giving Giving him that uh, uh, that award a few years later, Um, I guess it was in 1989. I Mm -hmm. guess by the time we uh, uh, gave him the award at a at a Masonic Masonic lodge, I think also in uh, Santa Monica, and uh, so we we kept in touch. And uh, every uh, every year, we both uh, presented uh, at a thing called PantheaCon. And PantheaCon is probably the largest, certainly the largest indoor pagan mm. uh, gathering. And it went for like 23 years straight up in the uh, first in San Francisco and then in San Jose, mm. and uh, uh, Bob lived nearby, or, or near enough by where he didn't have to actually stay all night at the at the right. hotel, and uh, uh, I was uh, always running around and too busy to do anything but sleep in the hotel. Room, so uh, uh, Glenn Turner, the the organizer of the event, would always book Bob and me in the same room, year after year after year. So it was like our green room,
1: <laughs> right? The prep.
0: Yeah, so so we had a, a chance over the years, and of course, I I couldn't uh, you know resist the. Uh, uh, the opportunity to catch him up on on uh, all the stuff because uh, he and I by that time uh, were sharing a publisher, uh, the the people at uh, at New Falcon uh, were, was publishing us both and and uh, uh, so we had a lot we had a lot to talk about and uh, I remember one year I had uh, my manuscript for the Chicken Kabbalah. Mm. book the chicken kabbalah which is believe it or not like a a funny (laughs) a funny introduction I made up this rabbi and it was just a whole thing's a hoax kind of thing but it was (laughs) it was was good kabbalah too it's sort of like a you know a a sweet coating to the bitter kabbalah Mm, gotcha and uh That year, uh, by then, Bob was in a wheelchair, and so I had like a captive audience. He couldn't even roll (laughs) into the the bathroom, (laughs) and and I read pretty much the whole damn thing. uh, uh, (laughs) All this to it. But anyway, he was uh, uh, a dear, dear soul, and I guess... uh, uh, when uh his wife Arlen died uh oh in nineteen ninety ninety-nine, I think. Um uh, right. uh, we were all heartbroken because they were sort of like uh, the you know sentimental power couple. Car- uh couple. <laughs>
1: uh, real lovebirds though, huh?
0: Yeah. And uh so shortly after that, we both spoke at a at a bookstore in in Riverside, California, and uh, uh, to, to cheer him up, my uh, I was uh, I was speaking first to to introduce him, and when I uh, in my introductory words. I uh I talked about nothing but me and how much Bob liked me and <laughs> how much I impressed Bob <laughs> how much how much, even though we didn't know each other very well, I, I had this profound effect upon his life, you know.
1: Big and, influence.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it uh and it cheered him up, okay because he was feeling pretty yeah pretty down and uh, so anyway, that's that's it. Bob was kind enough to uh write an introduction to a couple of the the things I did with uh with Christopher Hyatt and um uh, uh perhaps the most dramatic was the one he wrote. Uh, for our book, uh, Taboo. What is the sex, religion, and magic? And uh, he said it was lewd, obscene, blasphemous, subversive, and very interesting. Everything and all, you can want. And all right-thinking people will agree that it should be banned, balderdized, censored, suppressed, and burned by the public hangman.
1: That's a a profound endorsement that <laughs> you hit all the bases
0: yeah he, here i am having bob wilson talk about lawn again. <laughs> so
1: um i uh been i've read your stuff years and years ago and and, and sampling it here and there you have a uh particular view in my opinion on western magic that that really resonates with me and then i've always kind of got this sense that i'm supposed to be imposing my will upon the world in a way but when i listen to you and read you you talk more about like well what does this magical operation say about me um and almost like using these uh the goetia and the enochian systems as ways to uh anthropomorphize human consciousness like our own consciousness maybe the collective consciousness and then let these dramas play out and then this is my story but standing back and looking at it and like okay what's the message here for me um and i just love the way you really turn that around i think that's a a very important uh, way to approach things
0: Well, ultimately, that's what everybody has to do. Uh, And it's just, uh, you know, when are you going to when are you going to admit it? (laughs) (laughs) And. uh, Yeah, you know, there's a there's a big there's a phony controversy, there's a phony uh, uh, argument between those that, that uh, uh, view magic and magical beings and angels and demons and spirits and things like that as, as having an objective reality and those that, that, that uh, say it's all psychological, it's all uh, uh, subjective. And it's no argument at all because it's got to be both. It's got to be both. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, uh, the idea that absolutely every impression we have uh, that we think is objective is being processed subjectively. So, so in other words, uh, uh, and the capitalists, you know, from time immemorial. Have been trying to uh, uh, demonstrate what the mechanism that makes that possible is, and they have this uh, this idea of uh, uh, taking the the axiom that we're made in the image of deity, or in other words, we're we're the reflection of deity. Mm-hmm. It's only one step away from saying everything <laughs> everything is a reflection of deity you know we're we're just one that's you know a bit more uh uh organized with complexity but uh uh everything that you and me seem it seems like we're talking to each other here on our on our uh respective uh, computer screens, but we're not. You're in. You're in me. You're, you're a mm. spirit. You're a spirit that's in me, and it seems like you have independent uh, uh, existence in yours. And of course, of course, you do. All within me. Mm. Okay. And it's it's just like say uh, saying uh, when I go into the bathroom and look at myself in the mirror, yeah, yeah, that's that's my reflection. I that's not real. That's just my that's just my reflection. But I give it life. Mm. It lives because it lives because because of me too. So when you're hearing these words, you're just talking to yourself. When you hear my words, you're talking to yourself through through uh, 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 this vehicle here. And the, the things that the Kabbalists have been trying to explain from day one is if we peel away all the consciousness levels that we really aren't. Uh, it'd be like uh, waking up, like an onion, you know, peeling mm-hmm. layer layer, and each level is a, uh, a higher level of frequency of consciousness. Okay, and, and I know the word "woke" has such a, uh, Got a little stigma why, these days. Why would that be a bad word for Christ Right. Uh, but at each at each uh, level of, of of waking up, uh, we realize more and more that we're each other, okay? mm. and the the idea that the ultimate wake up is that we realize we've all been each other all along. Okay, that's the that's the big singularity smooth point of of consciousness. And, and so from that point of view, magic, the techniques of magic uh, work sometimes like a well-oiled machine, because we momentarily buy into the objectivity of the, the, the spirits. As a matter of fact, to do it properly you do buy into it okay of course you know you can't it's hard to reach inside and you know perform surgery on it on the your internal processes but you can project it outside of yourself and work with it out there you know mm. and that's sort of the basic uh, uh difference between the the General uh, view of Eastern mysticism and Western mysticism. Eastern mysticism is pretty damn comfortable with going inside <laughs> and stripping away all the things you're not until you find out, you know, the 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 core of what really is you. And they're pretty comfortable with that. Uh, uh, and I don't want to sound you know chauvinistic or or uh or anything but it's just like the the eastern way is uh uh more comfortable if you're just generally to start with hardwired a little better to do things inwardly subjectively and, and in the West, because uh, I don't know, cultural um, uh, programming or something over the years, or the fact that we've just been bullied into viewing God as being something outside of yourself, uh, that, uh, that our techniques, our techniques of tricking ourselves into waking up uh, we're more comfortable projecting them outward, okay we love we love praying, just something else. We love priest crafts and we love strutting around in robes and 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 lighting candles and and uh, doing things in sort of the western way. Wow,
1: okay, that um that really clarified some things for me and um it's my story that western culture is what we might call more heady more uh conceptual more abstract and that would lead to more of a projection type experience more of a left brain abstraction kind of experience um i've never quite put it together east versus west in those terms but that's lovely Oh, wow <laughs> you you mentioned at one point i'm the one that gives it life and that to me uh reminded me of something bob might say who's the master that makes the grass green yeah uh yeah so when you talk about the kabbalah and these layers and i um have come to see you as sort of an expert on the the toth tarot um when crowley went and met i believe if i have my timeline right crowley went and visited bennett in uh, ceylon and they discussed a language for of consciousness and the I think they decided at that time that Kabbalah was their language, and then he went on to write Libre Seven 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 with all the correspondences. But it seems like the TOTRO was kind of his end product, Crowley's end product in that kind of exploration of the symbolism and language of consciousness. Would you agree with
0: that, or is that? I would agree with that. It was uh, it was his magnum opus. <laughs> and uh the and he had to be drugged or dragged who knows uh, mm. kicking and screaming uh into the into the project because uh he had met Frida harris pretty pretty late in life while well, he met her in the in the uh, 30s uh but uh, she more or less she was this avant-garde kind of new woman, you know, married to, to this this very liberal uh, labor party. And uh, he was uh, the whip. Uh, he knew where all the he knew where all the, the skeletons were. Uh, but anyway, he's a powerful guy. And, and she was this hair-bobbed, um, almost, you know, flapper, beatnik kind of uh, kind of wife. And she told Crowley, look, you know everything about everything, you know. And, uh, uh, oh, she was a Rudolf Steiner kind of theosophical gal to begin with. But... Uh, you know everything about everything and you're getting old and you're going to die. So (laughs) what are you doing with your life? You're at a party. You know, what, what are you doing? You know, what you need to do is uh, uh, write a, write a a, a book where you put it all together. You wrote all these other books when you're, you're at different stages of your youth, you know, You disagree with half of it already, you know. Why don't you? Why don't you just put it all together in one big book? And uh, he said, "No, I can't. I don't want to do that." (laughs) That's that's, that's, I wrote lots of books, and uh, but it's Harris that talks him into it. Okay, and and uh, she's already an established sort of avant. Guard uh, uh, cubisty kind of um, kind of uh, artist already in her own in her own right. She did all of the uh, the Masonic trestle board. They're wild y uh, uh, Masonic trestle boards for the three degrees that are still. That are still in the hallways of, of uh, lots of Masonic lodges that I visit today. Uh, she sa- finally says, look, organize your book that where you tell everybody everything about everything and organize it along the lines of the 78 cards of the tarot, cabalistically. Okay, and Crowley's putting all of this to, yeah, yeah, that was how I would have to do it. And she says, and I'll paint it. I'll I'll give you a full-size watercolor painting for every one of those cards. Mm. Not only that, I'll pay you. <laughs> I'll pay you a little money, you know, uh, uh, to do that. And Crowley says, oh, I can't take money for that. She's She says, well, look, I'll pay you to give me magic lessons. And that's how we'll... We'll cover the the your problem with the payment. So that's how that happened. And Crowley did write the book that attempts to tell everything, absolutely everything about absolutely everything. And uh, uh, she painted the the cards, but she didn't know that he would have to approve each one of the cards mm. she, had, she had to repaint uh, well she had to redo all of them from uh, initial conceptual things and some of them she had to do full paintings of three or four different versions uh, wow. and he would have to paint them uh, uh, choose the one and all of this going on during the 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 war Mm. this going on with the blitzes and the bombings and the troop trains and and uh and all of the romantic merchant ivory british stiff upper lip uh uh you know stay calm carry on uh
1: Makes me wonder what kind of impact that had on the project.
0: I think Just, it, uh, as far as it contributing a, a factor of the force and fire and war and uh, uh, fiery vi- violence that is the the opening act of every aeon change, mm. especially this one. I think it had a profound uh, background meditation, if nothing else, for the for the whole project, and the Thoth tarot has become uh, uh, in a way Crowley's true magnum opus in the Book of Thoth. Uh, uh his his true ma- magnum opus and and a worthy uh cherry on top of a of a wild, wild life so when uh, when Grady McMurtry uh finally uh well when he learned that Carl Germer, Who uh, inherited the OTO after Crowley died? uh, And Carl Germer refused to uh, uh, initiate anymore. He he didn't want the OTO to be an initiatory order uh, because, frankly, he had never been actually received any of the degree initiations or anything.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, He was uh, like an administrative. Right, a uh, high degree administrative officer. And uh, uh, not that he wasn't a you know, a personal magician and a you know a magician in his own right, but as far as the OTO was concerned, uh, he uh, had no experience with the 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 degree end of it and that experience. So he had little respect for it and okay, he thought if if uh if Crowley's work is going to survive for the next twenty five years or so, we're going to have to concentrate on keeping a few things published and and uh we're going to have to keep Crowley in the mind of uh, the consciousness of of humanity and a few of his works uh uh out there so that he uh concentrated on publishing more than uh, but the oto degree initiations are absolutely mind-blowingly cool okay (laughs) And, and they do uh uh take the individual candidate uh it's like it's like the masonic degrees on magical steroids right Uh, and uh and and we know how how successful you know the the masonic program uh, has been for hundreds of years and uh, the oto actually started as a masonic uh, academy uh, uh, in europe before uh, crowley's days because uh, they sort of the the founding fathers sort of got the fact that hey this is a this is a very cool program that we could actually supercharge you know and uh but anyway when carl germer died and grady uh uh assumed the leadership of the oto he said we're going to start initiating again okay because uh the f- last few high degree members that still lived were just so they were heartbroken that there was this period where they didn't initiate, and so they're uh, you know the the surviving members uh, were just uh, you know supportive of of this uh, this whole thing. So when Grady thought what is the best thing we can pool our limited resources into what project what book what can we do to literally bring Crowley back to life 20 years after his death Mm. and the Beatles came out with Sergeant Pepper's with Alistair Crowley on the cover with the opening line, it was 20 years ago today. Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. Grady said, let's go to the Warburg Museum in London. Let's take photographs of those tarot cards. Let's publish that tarot deck. As the opening s- s- salvo, okay, as the as the first germinated seed mm. to, plant, to plant back into human consciousness. and he he viewed it from a very, very magical point of view. And uh, uh, it worked, okay That's how I got into the OTO. Uh, I went down to local uh, Pickwick bookstore in probably 1971 or 72, and I saw that box of tarot cards, the Thoth Tarot. I didn't know Crowley from Adam but I wanted those cards. Those look so cool. That had Rose cross on the back and that, that OTO Lamin that looks so cool and Masonically Gnostic. And, and, uh, uh, and I wrote, I wrote the address on that card, the post office box. And, uh, Said, you know, kindly communicate to me as you will. Well, that was too stupid for anybody to answer that one back. But anyway, that's how I eventually got into the OT. It was 1975 before I uh, uh, actually took a bus up to Dublin, California, and uh, got uh, initiated in the Garage Temple. Of Grady McMurtry and and his wife, then wife Phyllis Seckler, and uh, uh, and I thought, oh, there must be thousands of members in, in you, you know all over the world, all over the world with temples of golden doors and <laughs> and uh, uh but no, uh, there was nobody at my initiation but uh, Phyllis and Grady. Uh, I mean, they were the heavy hitters of magic in the universe and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything. And, uh, I asked where everybody else was and they said, well, with the exception of Helen and, and uh, this, this is us, <laughs> you're, look, you're looking at it. I go, oh, really, you know? And, uh, and Grady said, "Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you want more, you're going to have to, you're going to have to uh, help us get this going," and uh, which was a, an awesome privilege, actually. But anyway, and through through Grady, that's when I met Israel Rigardi. Yeah. and. Um, uh, Regardi and I stayed stayed in touch for for a long time too. And Regardi got the second annual Adam Weissaup Illuminati Award, so that's why Bob's was the third. Excellent. Yeah,
1: Regardi seems like one of those folks that you might assume is a, just kind of a mild mannered guy, and then you find out he's like the crazy grandpa. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well. He's like the crazy grandpa that you want you want to grow up to be, just like
1: crazy in the best way, right?
0: God, yeah. He was he was really uh, uh, truly. He's the most charming
1: hmm.
0: I ever met. Now he had a slight uh, English accent, but it wasn't posh. Okay, it was it was a slight. Uh, it wasn't quite Cockney, but it was work. It was kind of a working class uh, twinge because he was raised in the United States. You know, okay, he,
1: okay. It, it had a certain stature to it in those recordings he made.
0: Yes, and so you uh, uh, you immediately well, just watch Masterpiece Theatre on on. Yeah. You know, if you have a British accent, you're you're automatically more intelligent than those who don't.
1: <laughs> and we're intimidated by it as Americans for some but, reason.
0: Yeah, we are. But anyway, he's a uh, uh, very charming guy, but very, very funny. And uh, uh, I admired him most in what I've taken away from from uh, uh, his influence uh it is that he was extremely knowledgeable extremely experienced had a had a wealth of of adventurous magical mystical stories to tell his his tale uh, hasn't been properly explored yet and his relationship with crowley and the fact that crowley was actually jealous of, of regardi with uh, mm. uh, his uh uh at least uh projected relationship with uh, Crowley's wife and and they're falling out and the fact that for years and years it was so bitter but then regardi would would actually be the the one to uh, later in life to look back and say God what a great Man, mm-hmm. this this nut was <laughs> this what a this guy really was a prophet. You know, no wonder he was hard to get along <laughs> with. Yeah, and uh, uh, but uh, Rigardi had years of letters of, of people that thought they were Crowley's incarnation. And I had not not as many as he did, but because I had a a pretty active, ongoing uh, initiatory OTO body going on in uh, Southern California, uh, I got a lot of letters. At first, snail mail letters from Crowley, you know, for incarnations of Crowley and stuff. And at our first meeting, uh, the conversation, you know, went to, uh, you know, I got all these letters, and he said, "Oh, I got all these letters too," and he says, "Look, let's put them together, and and publish them," and uh, so I said, "Yeah, we could call it Lieber Nuts," and uh, N U T Z, and uh, he said, great, and and uh, I've even got a. Note back from him saying, "Yes, we'll do Lieber nuts." And after he died, uh, we were going through his uh, his storage area, and I found the file. Oh, nice! For 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 Lieber, Lieber nuts, and there was only about four things in it. And I looked all around uh, for other things because I know I'd sent him uh, more than more than that. And i couldn't locate it so i lieber nuts will always be one of those things that uh that might have been Mm, unpublished
1: but near and dear to your heart
0: yes
1: (laughs) i've always imagined the, the folks at new falcon could put together a book similar to that with all the proposals they've received over the years oh
0: my god yeah absolutely and it was uh the the new Falcon folks that uh uh were the Israel regardi Foundation and, and things like that. So that's uh uh that's how all that connected. Came
1: from. Yeah. yeah. So you you were close with or you knew Regardi and and all kinds of quite a cast of characters, I guess, When I think of Kenneth Anger and he spent time with Tim Leary. It's,
0: well, I didn't spend time with Tim Lurie. I wish I, I wish I did. Okay. We, we shared a hashish connection, um, in, uh, because, uh, uh, he, uh, hung out a lot in Laguna beach and that was just the, uh, next town over. We were, uh, we were early hippies
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, so, the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, uh, which was sort of, uh, I, I don't know what you would call them, they uh, they weren't a Leary cult, but in a way they were a Leary cult, and uh, they weren't a drug cartel, but in a way they were a drug cartel, and... Uh, They they weren't uh, 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 adventurous uh, uh, terrorists who could break somebody out of out of a federal prison, but yet and take them to Algeria. (laughs) But they were. But here we are. Yeah. but uh, uh, we, I was in a, I was in a band called Charlie D and Milo, and uh, we recorded with CBS and uh, or Epic Records and So that's, uh, we were a band uh, working, and uh, our violinist and bass player uh, was very, very good friends with with a guy that we only knew as Ben. And Ben was a world traveler. And uh, I mean, a world traveler, like Afghanistan. The <laughs> and, and, uh, exotic world traveler. And he would come back with the best hashish on the planet. Mm. And I remember, and, and he would visit us because the band all lived in a in a house. Oh, I'm telling old hippie stories here. It's great. Uh, The band lived in a big house in in, uh, uh, Santa Ana Heights. And uh, Ben would visit after one of these trips. And I remember once he had a sort of a thick plastic bag uh, and it was like a cylindrical thing. Uh, But in that cylindrical bag, there were disks of hashish about this big, what what is that, four inches in diameter?
1: Yeah, four inches.
0: And they were stamped on the outside with some kind of uh, Arabic (laughs) beautiful-looking stamp and that that was uh, sprinkled in gold dust. Wow. and he had a whole stack of those, okay? And uh, uh, he, he was visiting the band, and he said, oh, these bottom two broke. Uh. <laughs> you can have those. <laughs> we
1: uh, It's a good friend to have.
0: He was a very good friend to, to have. And uh, uh, we felt so... We knew at the time that we were living in history. Mm. Okay, and it's the same thing uh, sitting with Regardi, or or, or sitting with, uh, with with McMurtry, or with uh, Bob Wilson, or or Kenneth Anger. It was one of those one of those moments where you know you know you are sitting in history and that, that you, you better be conscious of every nuance of what's, what's going on because you're in a cosmic moment. Mm. You're at a period in time that others would think is almost like a crack, a crack in time. When when everything going forward from this this uh, uh, point is dramatically different than it would have gone if it was not for this moment
1: does does that make any it it does what what imp- Presses me or what, what what's hitting me is just how you said you were aware of it in the moment like it wasn't a hindsight thing that it was like something real is happening here and the phrase that comes to my mind is like i'm surrounded by the frontier scouts for the species in this moment in time
0: yeah oh that's cool yeah
1: yeah i think i might have lifted that from leary or mckenna or something but yeah just some heavy hitters are around there in and in a certain, so you would have been in more of the South of LA side of town. And, and did you get involved with any of the happenings in Laurel Canyon in that area? That was no, 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 only, uh, uh,
0: only in so much as uh, the music connection. Right. Would, uh, would take us, uh, uh, we uh our producer was uh uh at cbs or at epic the producer is a producer he's not hooked up (laughs) with the label he could be with any label okay but sunny night was uh uh our first big producer at, at cbs and uh uh a lot of a lot of people we we met there at the at the CBS because we recorded at uh, CBS over there on Sunset, and uh, uh, one person that uh, that we met that had, that attended uh, one of our sessions was Terry Melcher, and Terry Melcher was uh, 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 Doris Day's son. Okay. And Terry Melcher, and this was at the time this was happening. Terry Melcher was the guy that Charles Manson wanted to to impress with with his music. Mm. And And so there was this strange sort of LA, uh, LA hip vibration that uh that us Orange County uh, hippies and Orange County musicians w- were just too lazy to get in <laughs> we had no ambition really the beach
1: bomb musicians
0: yeah. yeah and uh so we we were too uh uh yeah, we were too stoned, I guess, to uh, <laughs> to really uh, uh, get into the 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 illusion of of record uh, <laughs> record fame and fortune, and uh, and about that time, uh, just prior to Manson, there was this uh, uh, other hippie scandal, loosely labeled the boy in the box uh uh, episode and oddly enough here comes a crowley connection because the boy in the box situation was uh a renegade crowley cult oh god that had burglarized Regarde's house had burglarized uh uh the sasha germer's house the, the, the widow of, of carl carl germer had stolen the 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 libraries of uh of regardi and and oh, germer they had the OTO's library in other words and they had it stored out in this how uh barn way out in the desert. I think it's near Barstow, some ungodly place. And uh uh one of the one of the children, and I've met I met the man I met the child actually uh years later, uh was just playing with matches and burned down the the shed where all of the stolen stuff was and <clears throat> damaged many kind of priceless things crowley's own robes and oh jeez, wow and so to punish the child they put him in uh uh and to hear him talk, because I I, I asked him directly, did they lock you up in a box? And he, no, they didn't lock me up. <laughs> but I couldn't come in the house for four days, okay? And uh, so I had to sit outside in the shade, you know, and nobody would talk to me for four days. It was almost like, go sit in a corner kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But a local minister came by the the place and they saw this kid. Yeah. And he said, "What are you doing here?" He said, "Well, I can't go back in the house." Well, why not? Well, I set fire to the. Oh, you set fire to the, and they got busted. Okay, and and they had to flee to Mexico, and it, it's just it's just so so. And that's why Grady McMurtry found out that Carl Germer had died because these people had uh, had burglarized his widow's house, and nobody in the OTL, no, all of the old members knew that Carl had died. They didn't know he had died for almost six years. Wow! And they had to find out about it because of this boy in the box. Uh, uh, incident that's when Grady came out to investigate that's where he hooked up with Phyllis that's where he married Phyllis that's where that's where the
1: (laughs) wow what yeah (laughs) so Crowley didn't seem like a dummy it's curious to me that he handed over his legacy to Germer, was at the administrator? It, it seems like that was not an accident. Do you think he, I don't know, it seemed like maybe he thought it was more important to get his works published than to continue the ritual traditions, is that?
0: Yes, the, the, uh, you got to remember that Crowley himself uh, performed very few of the O.T.O. Uh, initiations himself, <laughs> the the uh, the structure of the OTO degree system was mostly on paper, mm. in Crowley's in Crowley's uh, uh, head and in his imagination, and it uh, and it was all laid out in the this Blue Equinox, uh, right? That, that was uh, published pretty early. So even Crowley was more concerned about the uh, the literary a- assets that the that the OTO uh, was responsible for than uh, than uh, actually robing up and strutting around in the dark and getting people initiated. So Germer can't be too too uh, uh, faulted for it but the the existing old ninth degree members were part of a very active OTO body in Los Angeles for years. A functioning, functioning OTO body was truly the only, only one on earth. Mm. And they had supported Crowley throughout the the war years and, and things like that. And that, uh, active lodge agape lodge or agape lodge uh in in uh, los angeles and then pasadena was led by wilford smith uh, who was uh, uh uh quite a quite a character and uh wilford smith's wife was uh uh well it was later run by uh uh jack parsons the strange angel right and uh uh Wilford smith married jack parsons wife okay everybody was exchanging uh uh, uh affections
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the polyamorous thing going
0: on yeah but anyway so my initiators uh, were Phyllis and Grady both came from the Agape Lodge uh starting at my uh at my first degree initiation uh, uh my initiator was also Helen Parsons Smith so <laughs> And all of this, I'm just accidentally. I'm sorry, stumbled into it. Just stumbled in. I had no idea that that I was stumbling into one after the other of the just the superstars of uh, uh, modern Crowley uh, uh, magic. And so Helen, f- for years, was a uh, uh, super good friend of uh, of our family. Uh, and, uh, well, anyway.
1: Well, did you get any? I'm curious about Parsons and if you got any good stories about the Rocket Man.
0: Yeah, I suppose I know a few. Uh... <laughs> uh you know i i never met jack he he uh, uh we were alive at the same time for a while uh, but uh th- there's one interesting thing and uh i don't know if it has anything to do with anything jack uh was jack invented jet powered takeoff which uh, doesn't sound very exciting now, but it was a super breakthrough oh, yeah. in uh, rocketry and uh, uh, development of uh, solid rocket fuel and things like that. And he was um, uh, uh, I guess you would you would uh, label him today uh, sort of a freelance libertarian. Mm-hmm. Okay. uh uh which in those days uh sort of leaned heavily on on uh progressive progressive uh, thought he wasn't a wasn't a fascist uh, uh libertarian but but more of a, a progressive uh uh thing all sort of hooked up with uh uh thelema and you know do what thou wilt and and uh and the 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 liberty that uh, that the brings to the individual but at the same time socially socially uh, aware and stuff and because he was uh, working with rockets and rockets and and, and so were the soviets and uh, <coughs> and that uh, a lot of the rocket uh, uh, technology after the war in the United States uh, uh, leaned heavily upon the German uh, uh, Werner von von Braun and and the ex-Nazi uh, uh, scientists, and Jack was over here on the other side, kind of of the of the spectrum. Uh, he was constantly sort of. Uh, under the eye of the the FBI, which in those days was breathtakingly reactionary, mm. and uh, uh, shortly, the, excuse me, the day before he uh, blew himself up, or he dropped a can of fulminated mercury. It wasn't suicide. He uh, right. uh, he was planning literally planning to go go on like a honeymoony kind of thing in in mexico Uh, so he had everything to live for at the moment but the day before he blew himself up he was picked up in a limousine by howard hughes Now, there's every reason not to think that there was anything weird, too weird, because Hughes was Hughes' aircraft. Jack Parsons was was, uh, uh, obviously uh, on shaky ground as far as government work uh, was, was going to be just because J. Edgar Hoover just wanted to nail his ass for something. And so it, it it makes sense that that uh that Howard Hughes would uh uh being a Hughes aircraft would be interested in jet power takeoff and and having a scientist of, of Jack's uh caliber uh working for Hughes. And Helen didn't know uh, uh his wife uh or his Ex-wife, soon to be ex-wife, or something. Uh, uh, didn't know what the conversation was about. Nobody knows what the conversation about was about, but it was a very, very colorful little footnote mm-hmm. that probably opens up more questions than uh, than it than it answers. How. Uh, And I don't think Howard Hughes went around murdering people or things like that. Uh,
1: No, but it seems, I I believe he was retiring with this honeymoon or something. He was kind of riding off in the sunset, so to speak. So it's like, here's this loose end, this brilliant scientist that knows our, our, you know, cutting-edge rocket technology, and he's going to be set free here, and he's got this colorful whatever occult background that we don't even know how to comprehend as as fbi people and it's easy to speculate they needed to tie up a loose end
0: yes and it's it's uh it's almost impossible to uh to ask oneself gee well who who would benefit the most from the, the him exiting at this time and uh it's yeah pretty, pretty easy for me to see that, uh, uh, and of course they gave him a crater on the moon after after, <laughs>
1: after
0: a, 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 literally cold comfort uh,
1: <laughs> and just such a gruesome death to be honest. I mean it was not a a pretty thing, and he was discovered still alive and kind of blown apart and
0: yeah. He was, yeah, kind of half gone,
1: yeah, maybe you have something more.
0: Oh, no, no. Uh,
1: maybe we switch gears. <laughs> yeah. So with your uh Kabbalistic prowess, huh. we uh so the, the idea behind Lion of Light is that the the do what thou wilt essay in the book was what he referred to, what Bob Wilson in the 70s referred to as his short piece on Crowley, and that he was working on a book on Crowley, a full-length book that he was working title of Lion of Light. As far as we know, that book never happened, but we stole the title for this book. But my question would be, uh, what's your interpretation when he calls Crowley Lion of Light? How would you How might you interpret that?
0: Oh, uh, first of all, uh, gee, if I had a tree of life, are we able to see this? Sure,
1: if you hold it up, we can.
0: Okay, This is my tarot bag, okay. Uh,
1: Got the tree of life embroidered on it.
0: Tree of life, okay and each of these paths is uh, you know a level of consciousness or well each of this the circles or the sephirah is a level of consciousness and uh, the paths that join the two are, are like uh, conduits that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, uh uh either transform up the frequency or steps down the frequency of consciousness it's a it's a double uh it's a two-way street like two a uh, uh current there and uh so uh you know if you're a, if you're a kundalini yogi person you can see chakras on there and stuff uh it, this is us mm-hmm. this is our psychic uh, circuitry but, but with the kabbalistic uh uh axiom again that we're made in the image of, of deity or the mm-hmm. we're microscopic uh, uh, we're miniature working models of the big <laughs> of the big uh, the
1: bigger picture
0: yeah uh, so the path here that goes from number four
1: that's mm-hmm.
0: okay, over here would be number four because i'm seeing it backwards number four to number five
1: right
0: is the path of tet the hebrew letter tet which means a serpent but it's the serpent that's the tail of the lion of leo
1: Oh.
0: okay and it it spans it goes from the the uh, pillar of mercy to mm-hmm. the pillar of severity okay it's the it's the, the cross right there and it's the highest spanning of uh this conduit between 4 and 5 it's the highest one below this abyss here so this right. is this is like the manifested uh actuality of what we would think of as the uh you know, you know the macrocosm we can touch and feel and see and think about and up here is just uh, everything is still in potentiality so that's the the abyss that's the looking glass between the the Mm -hmm. ideal and the actual kind of thing and the path of the lion is right there
1: goes across the whole thing huh?
0: and crowley's uh uh well, Crowley's rising sign was Leo, and he always okay. identified himself with uh, with Leo. And even uh, even in his signature, you see the the capital A is made with a with an elongated Leo. Ah, yeah, Leo sign, and that that uh, uh, it is the the path number four on the. Tree of Life is what we would think of as the Great Father, okay, uh, like Jupiter, the Great Father, you know, the Father God, uh, the Father figure that we can actually say, gee, there's a father with a penis, you know, uh, instead of, you know, Heavenly Father, which, uh, you know, uh, Beyond gender. You don't want to think about your penis, Heavenly Father and number 5 the great mother but she's mm. like a mother lion okay the the severity so there's the mercy of the father is number 4 and the severity and the, the mother instinct nourishment but protective mm. uh, uh, of number of number 5 and the path of leo steps up and down that current between those those two uh, uh, those two things. and it's right before the 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 next move up would be to cross the abyss, okay, which is a huge step. That's where you become a Buddha
1: right, right? That's the big one
0: huh uh, So Crowley saw. His incarnation as a, as a prophet, maybe not his incarnation as a student or mountain climber, or his incarnation as a prophet, a prophet that 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 actually announces the word uh, that dictates the formula uh, of it, of an aeon, mm-hmm. like buddha sanata and, and okay and. Um, triggered his incarnation as that prophet triggered or was triggered by the activation of that path of Leo on the universal tree of life. So in other words, it was like this cosmic event happened in the universe and I just happen to be the expression of that. I am that lion. I am the lion. Mm. The lion is the beast. And that was the meaning that John was trying to get across about the beast in the book of the Revelation of John. Mm. That's why the beast is a good guy. (laughs) And not a bad guy, it's the beast that is taking over from, from John's Savior's formula of the previous aeon to the new aeon. Ah. So Crowley is that beast, the Lion of Light.
1: Wow, well that exceeded my expectations, thank you. Oh.
0: Or maybe I'm wrong. Well, <laughs> that that's just my point of view.
1: I I deeply appreciate your point of view. That's that's very profound there. And um First I want to check in and see if you have a little bit more time.
0: Oh, what do I got to do?
1: Well, I would love to ask you what what the um so to me, there's a paradigm shift in this new aeon. That's my assumption, I guess I would say. And I'm curious how you would define the shift, might define that paradigm shift. What's changed? What does is, what is Crowley and the new aeon bring to the table?
0: Uh, self-identity. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh... Uh, and like in every aeon, the, uh, the transition period uh, is, is usually difficult and uh, characterized by extreme polarization between uh, uh, those that haven't made the, the shift and uh, those that have and uh so there's usually natural resistance from those who haven't mm-hmm. and uh uh that is usually unpleasant and bloody mm, okay. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but uh uh it it all sort of comes down to to uh uh, self-identity. Mm. uh and the, 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 the shift from, uh, if you want to use, uh, you know, cosmic terms, uh, the shift from your self-identity being one of uh, a person walking on the face of the earth, dealing with things in a in a north, south, east, and west sun comes up sun goes down uh i'm on the earth uh i'm a i'm a crawling creature on the earth that's my identity i bump into other crawling creatures on the earth <laughs> i i subjugate them or, or am subjugated by them you mm-hmm. know i'm dealing with that there's a uh, that's that's the old way of looking at things and the new way of looking at things is uh uh no i'm more like that sun out there i'm on all the time mm. okay. uh my other fellows aren't aren't just creatures on the earth i'm fighting with okay my other my other fellows are these other sons <laughs> around here they got whole they got whole satellites going around them so do i you know Uh, and the old way of looking at things is the sun goes up the sun goes down sun born sun dies even though i know it's not the case i'm really still operating under the under the as if the sun is born and the sun dies and i'm still operating on the the assumption that hey i was born and i'm going to die and if i'm going to live forever i got to make some kind of deal somewhere yeah you know, i have got to okay.
1: negotiate
0: yeah it's yeah, yeah i got i you know and if i have to believe stupid things to do <laughs> that okay i'll i'll do it i'll plea bargain my way and uh but the new way of looking at things is uh, no. Wait a second. Sun doesn't go up. Sun doesn't go down. Sun stays on. Mm-hmm. Sun's there. Okay. It's that's like me. Okay. I, I don't understand why I'm currently aware, and that I, obviously there was a time before I was born, a time that after I was born. But I really I can't ever picture myself being off. I'm on. I'm on all the time. The light switch goes on and on. Okay, there's uh, sun stays on all the time. I stay on all the time. Night is an illusion, mm. so so death must be an illusion too. And I'm self radiatingly confident enough in this observable phenomena in my little corner of the galaxy that I'm on all the time. If I'm on now, I've always been on. I'll always be on. On is on. And it's bigger than the meat tube I'm walking around in. That's the shift. And if it's just as simple as as admitting as a mother tucks her child in in at night and says, don't don't be afraid of the dark. Mm. Because the the sun's still on. The sun's on all the time. We're just in our own shadow at the moment.
1: Wow. So that brings up just an image of kind of this old paradigm of the mundane world and, and and maybe even just chop wood, carry water kind of thing to uh, this new paradigm of, of like a being of light, a spiritual being. Um, that's lovely.
0: Well, yeah, a spiritual being who still has to chop wood and carry water.
1: <laughs> you get both yeah um wow okay on that note well i this is maybe a whole nother podcast but you uh had a book i found very intriguing the accident an accidental christ and and i found it like disappointing in the best way and that i i maybe had some hope that jesus was this enlightened dude and he hooked up with Mary Magdalene, who was trained in mystery schools, and they purified each other's chakras and and worked with light and energy and and uh, sex magic and all those wonderful things. And 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 instead, it's like just some trust fund dude from medical school that goes is, is pushed into being a politician.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, y- yes. <laughs> Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh,
1: (laughs) It's delightful, and it's demystifying.
0: Well, yeah, it was definitely meant to be uh, uh, that, and at the same time, inspiring in its own way.
1: I haven't finished yet, so I'm working. It's getting inspiring. It's starting to really cook.
0: Uh, Well, the thing is, uh, I'm not saying that there wasn't a character uh, uh, around whom many of the the the, the stories had uh, uh, grown. That wasn't this mystery school. As a matter of fact, there's plenty of mystery school stuff in in uh, Accidental Christ, uh, uh, but uh, the uh, and that Mary Magdalene may have been the, the you know the, the the leader of a of a band of mystical women but there was something okay there was there was something like that that gave enough uh, material for the myth makers of the first second third and fourth centuries to throw all of this together into uh uh, a single story around which a universal religion could be uh uh invented mm-hmm. and uh and it truly has everything to do with uh, the uh expansion of the roman empire and roads and communication uh okay in other words we had television enough to make a propaganda to have a a possibility of a universal religion
1: time was ripe
0: and uh, uh, so that being said the four gospels themselves because i don't even want to drag paul into this paul was an asshole okay uh, uh, and yeah. Christi- and Christianity as we know it today isn't really Christianity it's Pollyannity. Mm-hmm. and and Paul was a first class nutcase and <laughs> so I just took the four gospels that have have been tweaked enough over the years to have enough, uh, uh matching narrative to give us this what we would think is the gospel story of, of Jesus, okay? And I thought, okay, this is what most people think the story is. And I think the story just as presented in the in the Gospels, could have actually happened without him being, without any of this unnecessary superstitious bullshit. (laughs) Let's just say he was a guy, okay? And now what do we know about, what do we know objectively about, about who his father was? I mean, Joseph, who his father was, who his mother, we know, we know a lot. And they were filthy rich. They weren't a poor carpenters. Okay, and this is where you get your trust fund. (laughs) (laughs) But we also, they were not only rich, but they were aristocrats. Okay, they were nobility and they, they went to great lengths to have their bloodline uh, 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 established to prove that Jesus was a direct descendant not only of Adam, <laughs> okay, but of Solomon, of, of David, of Solomon. Okay, okay. Now, whether those people existed in history or not, their genealogy was set up in the same way as the British uh royals or their right. commun- okay to prove political power, hereditary political power. And the, the 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 situation in most of the front part of each of the four gospels is talking about politics, the Ro- the politics of Rome in Judea and, and uh, Palestine, okay? It's all, in the days of Caesar Augustus there came, okay. The whole thing is they were pissed off at a Roman occupation mm-hmm. and they had a, a, an Arab as their puppet king not even not even a somebody who's even pretending to be a, a a Davidian prince okay but here we had two Davidian princes that the gospels actually lay out who they are John the Baptist whose father was the high priest Zechariah mm. I mean he w- yeah he may have eaten locusts but the <laughs> <laughs> but but the guy's family was well connected. The high priest of Israel, John the Baptist's father, John the Baptist's first cousin, of the son of uh, Joseph and Mary. Right. Okay, and Mary's bloodline was just a tad purer, directed uh, from from her to King Saul, than was John the Baptist's mother. So that meant when Jesus was born they said oh this this kid's star blood star is shining brighter than even John the Baptist was and so if you read the gospels the way they stand and they're bullshit too okay they're made up okay but if you just read what they're saying and what they're not saying you can see the whole thing lay out just kind of imperfect oh i can see how oh yeah they bring him back oh yeah they'd have to train him just like prince charles would have to go to posh schools and things things like that Mm. getting ready for this eventual coup when the time's right they'll have the coup we've got the perfect figurehead We've got all of this other organization uh, behind us. We just got to knock off a few people.
1: <laughs> Start a revolution.
0: Yes, we've got the, the proud boy uh, zealoters. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, so I thought, okay, nobody thought Jesus was anything, was anything, until the miracle at the wedding of cana have you gotten that far in the book yet Uh,
1: right the water and the wine
0: after that after that miracle everybody that's when they could say he's out of the closet Mm. i'm not only i'm not only the king that's why they called him king of the jews for christ's sake the uh not not only am I king but I'm a wonder working king I'm a miraculous yeah. king all
1: right special powers
0: and I was in the shower one day just I don't know why I was thinking about this stuff but I was I was in the shower one day and I I figured out exactly how he turned the water into wine and I went back and I read the 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 in the gospel what, what the sequence of events was, uh-huh. why his mother was there, why he and his disciples were there, and the fact that, no, these weren't, he didn't have just 12 disciples. In other places, they they counted 144, okay, and they all had to live someplace. Uh, he had to feed them. They, this was a, a full-blown moving uh, ashram, a cult, okay? And they all came to the wedding, they all came to the that would that would have tripled quadrupled the the wedding feast size, okay and the the the, the father of the of the bride or you know, whoever had to pay for that and they had to buy all this extra stuff you know and I just uh, this is exactly how he turned the water into the and i'm not going to give it away yeah but that story was too good not to write down i got mm. out of the shower. i told constance i told everybody at monday night class and and uh it was just too good not to write down and so i wrote it down but to set up the back story to set up the whole backstory about genealogy and the everything else. It was too long for a short story. Right. So I started to look at other miracles too. Mm. I started to okay. And that's how the thing expanded and expanded and expanded and expanded and and, and uh um uh, so it's not a huge long novel, but it's uh, it's novel size now, and uh, so I try to to uh, cover all the bases uh, from uh, from birth to to uh, resurrection.
1: Yeah, it's it's entertaining, and I the one thing that keeps sticking in my mind right now is this, like uh, the notion that. That Jesus spent like ten years in the wilderness in his twenties, and and this and that, and it seemed like that was more John the Baptist, and he was maybe more of the uh, crazy healer shaman type, so to speak. I don't know if that's accurate, but he had that feel to him
0: to me. I, I just have a feeling that that uh, John was far more uh, uh, important to the to the to the story then uh then we're then we're led led to believe and certainly the uh, freemasons uh, uh agree with that you know we've got our saints john
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. so uh yeah john the baptist is very important and he's in, important in my book too so
1: wow well, Lon, it's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you here. I, I noticed you have a, a tarot course now at, at Jason Lue's, uh Academy.
0: Yeah, Magic Me, uh, Jason Lou's Magic Me Academy. Yes, I've got a... Uh, God bless Jason. He's just so wonderful to work with. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just uh, Google... Magic me, uh, and my name and tarot, and uh, come, in, come up with a full blown course, and uh, yeah, it's what I'm doing in my old age.
1: Nice. Is that a, a passive thing? Are you actively involved in teaching that, or is it something you created that's been put online that just kind of goes no, on its a...
0: I've got my face and voice in every
1: excellent. Well, I, I would say our podcasts on magic have been uh, some of our most popular. And and my story is that more and more people want to know how to do this thing. And and I'm not terribly familiar with Jason's Academy, magic.me, but what I've seen of it seems like it's a very... Um, modern place to go get magical instruction and find a community and structure and and things like that so
0: yeah absolutely and he's got all 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 sorts of different aspects of it uh of it too yes it's it's refreshing to see an adult uh
1: the adult and we found the adult
0: in the room we found an adult in the room He's he's a good wonderful guy
1: and uh, so you've got that course online and with, with Jason and magic.me. And I don't know how many books, but it's it's quite a few. Uh, do you, 20, maybe?
0: Yeah, I think 20 is about it. And I'm of course, I'm working on a, uh, another one. But, can, you uh, share,
1: can you share what you're working on now?
0: Oh, it uh, it'll be a tarot-related one, but uh, it's coming at it from a from a, uh, another point of view. Tarot, I've uh, found over the years, is one of the the most painless ways to uh, to get inoculated with the virus of Kabbalah. Mm. And uh, uh, <laughs> and I think uh cabal is is pretty important uh not because it it teaches anything in and of itself, but but it teaches you to 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 think and be uh uh be aware. To give yourself a language to explain things to yourself because uh, we've all uh, we can only learn from ourselves sorry mm-hmm. i got lots of books i'd like you to read my books or uh i like you to buy my books uh, you you can read them or not but the uh everything you eventually have to explain to yourself and, and uh, really, no one else can do that. You, uh, other people can inform you or confuse you or, or uh, stimulate you. Uh, but if you're going to learn something, you, 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 eventually you teach yourself. And, and Kabbalah, uh, in, it, in its own way, once you sort of squirt the WD-40 of Kabbalah in the machinery of your psyche, um. Uh, Kabbalah starts to give you a language mm. and a vocabulary to explain things to yourself, and and uh, the the fastest way uh, for for us in the in the West anyway uh, to get acquainted instantly acquainted just as soon as you crack open a. A deck of tarot cards you're already playing with the kabbalah and and uh uh in the same way i showed you showed you this thing okay you got four of these things you got all of the tarot going going for you and um uh, uh if if you've ever been in a position where you think you don't know very much about a particular subject, but that you bump into somebody that knows even less than you, okay? And they ask you uh, such a fundamental question, that's such a good question, that it's you haven't even thought of it before. But because you know just a little bit more than they do about something, you start to explain it to them. Mm. And all of a sudden, there's another teacher. Mm. Okay, there's another teacher that comes in and starts putting things in your brain. (laughs) Okay. Like a flying saucer comes comes over and as you're trying to explain this to somebody you find yourself explaining it to yourself for the for the very, very first time and you're hearing it you're hearing the answer to this profound fundamental question finally and it's coming out of your own mouth that's what kabbalah Oh wow. Sort of set you up to do.
1: I'm taking that in, and I want to throw something out there. I'm curious what you think. Um it's been my experience that there is this part of us, I'll call it our left brain, that needs to know why. That needs that explanation. And often it seems like it just needs that explanation so you can get it to shut up so that it opens up maybe a deeper, more direct experience. Does that make sense to you?
0: makes perfect sense to me. Excellent. And it's almost like what the Lion of Light... Ah. Okay. Yeah, four to five
1: there.
0: Well, it's the it, it's the, the joint of those two the left hemisphere and the uh, oh and ah. the right and the right hemisphere. There, yeah.
1: there we go. Well, on that note, um, we've got your books. We've got the class. You have your website. You're uh, also a musician and performer, I believe. We haven't even touched on that, but <laughs>
0: well another time perhaps
1: another time perhaps It's it's been a real pleasure Lon. thank thanks for your time thank you for your introduction to the book and uh you were just down the street from me a few weeks ago i live in golden where you had your oto conference and, oh my gosh uh, unfortunately i was talking to richard and i wasn't able to connect with him because i was out of town when he was free but uh literally 10 minutes from my house
0: oh wow that's the first uh that's the first trip i've taken since uh i got back from chile uh, oh wow just before the pandemic hit and uh mm. so i haven't been doing much traveling but i'm oh. keep, keeping busy
1: busy busy well again thank you for your time it's been a pleasure and uh Maybe we'll catch you again sometime.
0: Okay. Thank you for having me.
1: That concludes the episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. A big thank you to Lon Milo Duquette for taking the time to talk. And thank you, as always, to Christina Pearson of the Robert Town Wilson Trust and Richard Rossa of Hilaritas Press. Thank you to Rasa for producing today's episode. A special thank you to Ryan Reeves for 24 episodes, two years of service as our engineer and producer. We'll miss you working quietly behind the scenes every month to make this happen. Oberon Zell Ravenheart will be my guest on the next episode releasing on the 23rd of October. Until then, I am your host, Mike Gathers, signing off with love and cheerfulness. Amor and a more hilaritas. hilaritas.